Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Romancing Mr. Bridgerton by Julia Quinn. This book was published in 2002 and, and is the fourth book in the Bridgerton series. It is number four in the Bridgerton family series. Um, you may notice that Colin's name starts with C. It does. He's the third child. He's a third child, a third brother. Um, and he is Meg's uh, one true love. He may be third in the Bridgerton family, but he's first in my heart. <laughs> I don't know if you picked up on that in a review of the first three books because Meg used every opportunity possible to talk about how I, great he was. I might have talked about him, and I'm not going to stop talking about him for a while, so sorry, guys. So the book jacket. Penelope Featherington has secretly adored her best friend's brother for, well, it feels like forever. After half a lifetime of watching Colin Bridgerton from afar, she thinks she knows everything about him until she stumbles across his deepest secret and fears she doesn't know him at all. Colin Bridgerton is tired of being thought no, nothing but an empty-headed charmer, tired of everyone's preoccupation with the notorious gossip columnist Lady Whistletown, who can't seem to publish an edition without mentioning him in the first paragraph. But when Colin returns to London from a trip abroad, he discovers nothing in his life is quite the same, especially Penelope Featherington, the girl haunting his dreams. And when he discovers that Penelope has secrets of her own, this elus elusive bachelor must decide, is she his biggest threat or his promise of a happy ending? I, I'm, I'll give you two guesses and the first one doesn't count. It's the promise of a happy ending, guys, <laughs> FYI. <laughs> um, this book jacket is not very good. No, but I can't blame them too much. I can't blame them. The, the secret in this book is massive. Huge secret. Has it's... been built up for the first three novels. Mm -hmm. We're going to struggle to talk about this plot at all. So this is probably just going to be the Colin Bridgerton fan club episode <laughs> with brief allusions to what goes on. Just know up front that we highly recommend it. Yeah. It's really, really, really good. And this is going to be a short episode because we can't talk about like anything that happens without spoiling the whole thing. We can talk about some things, but n not a lot. Yeah. It's like the opposite of an offer from a gentleman where like nothing happens. So you just talk about the book. Like, a lot happens. A lot happens. It is plot and it is like well done secret plot. Yeah. So, and th there's a little bit of the main character has a secret that she's like thinking around so the reader doesn't pick on, up on it too early. And I actually really was bothered by it the first time I read this book. But having read the previous three books, I will say, while I did not like any of them, it makes the dancing around her secret make a lot more sense. Yeah. Like I, I was less bothered by it in the context of, oh, I get what this character has meant yeah. previously. So other than the fact that they can't mention the big secret, the I think it's an okay book jacket because I get you get the essentials you get who the mm -hmm. protagonists are right and you get the fact that they've known each other for forever and that now something has changed yes because that's essentially the, the essentially that is this book honestly right if you can't talk about what's actually happening that's the overall description right. All right, so this week, or this episode, the number that we generated was 39, so we wrote 39-word summaries. So my 39-word summary, Colin Bridgerton never loses his temper, except for the several times he does. Apparently his little-known temper is the sign that he's finally realized his little sister's best friend is actually hot and marriageable. Penelope has a secret. <laughs> 
here's mine. Poor Colin, what's a man to do when he has looks, money, charm, and good nature? The perennial problem with the Bridgerton men is back, but this time a kick-ass Penelope has found enough gumption to point it out. Yes, slow cut for Penelope. I also like really like Penelope. She's great. I've been going on and on about Colin because Penelope appears but not as much in the first three books. She's not really developed. Right. She gets one shining moment in... In each book, really. Each book, really. But, yeah. But she's... I love her interior life, actually. I really like it. She's great. She's really great, isn't she? She's awesome. So, tropes. I've never noticed you before. <laughs> Right. You've been best friends with my little sister for a billion years. Just the moment you walk in and you see them differently, right? Well, and like, to put this in context, there's like a seven-year gap mm -hmm. between an offer from a gentleman and this book. Yes. Yes. Which serves to age up the young Bridgertons. Yeah. And, like, Colin and Penelope really have known each other for lifetimes Forever. at this point. So, I actually love... I absolutely love the first paragraph of this book mm -hmm. because I, I think it shows it gives you this great background to how long they know each other how they know each other but it also gives you this great foreshadowing yep for Penelope so good. Um, it's, it's just really great. Basically, the, the first part of the book is Penelope. When Penelope fell in love, the ground moved beneath her feet or something like that. And then it turns out that actually what happened was she saw Colin Bridgerton, who fell off his horse because her bonnet flew off and hit him in the face. Yes. I mean, so her version is not untrue. It's just a little bit different from what really happened. Right. Um... Both of them have overbearing mothers in very different ways. Yes. So Violet continues to be an amazing mother. And Mrs. Featherington is just, she is the overbearing mama, but in the worst possible way. She's the empty-headed ninning. Ninny. Yes. And Penelope's sisters are equally atrocious. Except for Felicity. Except for Felicity. Yeah. Um, Which Felicity and Penelope are the two who are Bridgerton daughter best friends. Correct, yeah. So you can basically tell the quality of a person based on their association with the Bridgertons. Yeah, I mean, it's a little... Just some more tropes. They have to anticipate the wedding day because they just can't hold it back. <laughs> Which, in fairness this time, they're like in their late 20s. She's 28, he's 33. She's wanted him forever. Forever, since she was like... 15 I think yeah so this is this is over a decade of pining and like they're both adults they're planning to get married they have no reason not to jump each other except for society and they are just like Jesus Christ can the clock move yeah and so they when they do jump each other he's like actually I'm gonna use this as an excuse and I'm gonna go tell our our mothers plural that we have to move it up he's like I may have given them the impression that our indiscretion happened even earlier than it did so we could just get married already like in case there's a baby yeah let's not let the ton talk so instead let's rush this marriage yes. and let the ton talk it was yeah. so cute oh my god they're so in love it's adorable I know um Asking to be kissed. I love this. Uh-huh. I love it. And the way it happens in this book, uh, it's just so good because it's there's like character development and it's just it's just great. It's funny. It's it's, funny. it's Julia Quinn who, who's doing humor in this like very thumbs up. I really like it. And what it ends up being, though I can't give Julia Quinn the credit to say I think this was intentional, it ends up being very consent driven. Yes. Which after an offer from a gentleman. Yeah. 
Like, clearly that's not usually her MO, but it makes, this is making consent sexy. Yes, yes. We like it. Mm -hmm. The power of being well-dressed. So, or Penelope. Yeah, she's been forced by her mother to wear the most atrocious colors for her complexion. Because they're the fashionable colors. Right, for years and years Penelope's and Penelope's like a freckly redhead. Yeah. And eventually her mother thinks she's on the shelf. And so now it's been, the, I guess, a couple of years. Penelope's been able to choose her own clothing and she looks nicer. You know, I mean, it's so true that when you, when you look good, you feel good. Well, and there's also a degree of confidence, like being put in shit that she thought made her look shitty, made her look shitty. Yeah. But being put in clothes that make her feel good, makes her look good. Yeah. We, this, uh, I want to throw this in there too. There's the wallflower trope. She's a true, true wallflower. She is. Uh, socially awkward, doesn't dance with many people, um, doesn't make friends easily. She's the introvert. And she's an observer, and that makes people uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So you see a lot of wallflowers. You see this trope a lot, but I think it's well done here. Yes. She's a blue stocking. He's trying to figure out his place in the world. We'll talk about that because I, I think it's one of the strengths of this book. But his, he's started to write descriptions of his travel. Yes. And that's sort of a, oh, oh, you're a writer. Yeah, she discovers you have hidden depths. Oh. So this is, the se- this is Colin's greatest secret, which is that he keeps travel journals. What a secret. Yeah, I like, know. I'm not, this is not a Julia Quinn uh, whatever. This is the book jacket. Like, that was dumb, but whatever. Yeah, she doesn't treat it like a secret. Julia Quinn doesn't. No. Right. No, no, no. Um, and of course, Penelope is hooking up with her best friend's brother. Yes, we got the best friend's brother, which can be bad. Thumbs up here. Oh, what is love? How do I know when Maybe I'm in love? Maybe don't hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, this. I mean, this is the this is true. I really like the what is love trope versus the I can't tell you I love you trope. And it's also the way. Colin deals with not knowing his sentiment. That's pretty obvious. Penelope's been in love it's, with him since she was 15. Right. Penelope knows she's in love. Okay. It's like talking about it. Oh no! <gasps> it's just, it's just really good. It's, it's really just good. really good. It's really good. Um, just in general. So the Bridgerton books, y- you can guess this is absolutely my favorite. But something interesting, all of the other books I think of as being the Bridgerton siblings book. So like Anthony's book. Daphne's book, mm-hmm. Francesca's book, but this book is Penelope's book. Yes. I, I know I've been talking about Colin forever, but this book is Penelope's book. It is and not And this Colin's is probably book. why Meg loves Colin so much, because we all know she loves books where women get to shine. And so the fact that Colin <laughs> is strong trouble. enough. <laughs> He's strong enough to let Penelope shine. There and you go. There you go. Oh my God. Uh, this is also, FYI, one of my just most favorite romance novels of all time. Maybe even one of my most favorite novels of all time. Well, this is not. I think the funny thing is, you love this book so much, it sort of had blinded you to the problems of the Bridgerton series. It's until true. Until we did this reread. It's true. Like you were like, oh, I love Julia Quinn. And like we're yeah. four books in and you're like, oh, no, I just love this book. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love the next three. Right. And the next three are like really intertwined, which I didn't, until I decided I'm going to read them, boom, mm. boom, boom, boom. I don't think I realized. Okay. Um, but they, they actually all happen within about four weeks of each other. But that kind of makes sense given how much time goes between Offer from a Gentleman and this one. Like they're all 
older. Yeah, they're now. all a little older. And but but what's nice is if you read them um, all in a row, it, it really pays off. It's also very obvious. So the next one is Eloise's yes. book. And her it starts at the end of this one. Yes. So it's very obvious that they're gonna be very rapid and very intertwined. Yes. I don't think it's a spoiler alert to say like Eloise's no starting to initiate her courtship yeah. in this one. Yes. But what's interesting about Francesca's book is that her courtship actually starts midway through this book and is not referred to. Oh. In this book. Yeah. Got it. It's really cool. It's really cool. And it gives you some extra Colin scenes in Francesca's book, which I will never say no to. Right. Meg likes Colin, you guys. <laughs> um, so the woman in, you got a hint in Offer from a Gentleman that Violet herself had been a wallflower. Yes. And then in this book, there's another elderly society matron named Lady Danbury, who's made appearances through all of the previous ones. Mm -hmm. But she really takes a shine to Penelope in this, yes. and she's just a really well done character. She's uh, Lady Danbury is great, and I know I've been talking about Colin as the matchmaker, but if Colin's not the matchmaker, then Lady Danbury is the matchmaker, or at the very least, how do I put this? Sometimes Lady Danbury's actions actually prevents the people from getting together, yeah, but in a way that is good for them, right? So I would say Colin's a little more like explicitly trying to make matches. Lady Danbury is trying to like suss out the wheat from the chaff. Yeah. She, she's just, she's a really fun character. And this, so you were saying, oh, you can tell if these people are cool people by whether they're friends with the Bridgertons. If Lady Danbury likes you, then you're a cool person. Yes. Basically. So she doesn't like very many people, including her own children. Hates them. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's really fun. She's great. Um, and then I, this is, I think, something that both of us really like. It's just there are secondary relationships. The friendships and other relationships in this book are just really, really good. I think the first three books with varying degrees of success, the main character's best friends are their siblings. Yeah. And starting with this one, the siblings who are being featured do have richer exterior lives yeah. and their love interests have richer exterior lives. Yes. And granted, Penelope's best friend is Eloise. Right. But... Well, you have Felicity like, and Hyacinth. Right. Who but, are best friends and they talk and they have conversations. So. But you finally start to see the world sort of expanding a little in a way that is just so nice. It's really nice. And I think you do get at the heart of like, what a real friendship is. Yeah. Yeah. In a way that is never a conflict. No. That it, I, it's really nice. Lack of angst. Yes. And and yet still an interesting, fun, good book. Yes. Really good. So we do have a villain in this book. She's been villainous in the first three as well. Yes. But not to this extent. No. And she got married between the events of Offer yes. from a Gentleman and was and then was widowed. And was widowed. Prior to the start of this book. Um, and that person is Cressida Twombie. Formerly Crawley. Formerly formerly Cressida Crawley. Crowley, Crowley. Crawley, Crowley. Yeah, something. But anyway, obviously the best villain name ever. Also, she is such a nightmare. She's and awful. She's such a fun, Like, I'm saying this, like, beaming. Like, she sucks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know what the, I think is a really uh, strength of this book, too? Is that we have all met people like this before. Yeah. We all have had the nemesis of Cressida Twombie in our lives. Mm -hmm. Even the Cressida Twombies out there have had another Cressida Twombie. Yes. Basically, she is the queen bee, and she will never 
relinquish right that title her place in society exactly yeah. exactly no one really likes her but no one can dethrone cut her. her yeah so she's it's really good okay so here here's one thing oh uh, one thing I cringe a little bit about and and this is me being this is me being horribly judgmental mm -hmm. basically but um, Penelope talks about what a great writer Colin is, and he does such a good job in this and that. And I'm like, okay, I mean, this is Julia Quinn. She's a she's a good romance author, but she's a romance author. So this is a romance author writing something that you have to read and think that it's really good. I don't know. I always feel a little weird whenever, whenever any author, any author talks about what makes good writing about ultimately a passage they wrote. Like it's one thing if in one of these books someone loved Byron. Yeah, yeah. And Julia Quinn was like expounding on the virtues of Byron. But to expound upon the virtues of a character whose passages we were reading are also written, written by, by the you, author. Even if they're really good, mm -hmm. is just a little bit like uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because I've been rereading um, Dorothy Sayers and one of the main characters in her books is a mystery novelist. And I was looking at how that was done, and it's done in a different way. So you do sometimes see excerpts of her writing, mm -hmm. but it's more of her editing process. Okay. And so instead of you being like, oh, I'm supposed to think this is like this great writing, mm -hmm. instead you get an insight in how an author is write, writing, writes right. things, which I think is a little bit different. Um, I want to say, the, as we said, she has a secret. At the very end, she gets threatened with blackmail. Yeah. In a way that just, I don't think it was necessary. No, I, I don't think we needed it. I, I think we could have had a different conflict, but... I don't even know that you needed a different conflict. Like, I think everything was kind of fine without it. Yeah. So... But I, I, think, I think Quinn wanted the secret to come out. And she had to figure out a way to do it, basically. That's what I think. So I think... And maybe that was the issue we had with it. Yeah. Is that it wasn't organic to the plot yes and instead it was like oh i really want this secret like she to did out. such a good job writing the love story of colin mm -hmm. and penelope that then she went oh shit i wanted something bigger to happen yeah i wanted this other thing to happen too um his proposal oh my god it's so good it is so good they get married so okay, good spoiler alert they end up together they end up together yeah they're they're the proposal was amazing oh my so love oh my god it's so <laughs> funny so good, good. so funny it's great. It's so great. And, and it, sh it highlights something that we were just talking about, the, the relationships between the other characters. Yes. And I will say, I praised this a little at the beginning, but I'll praise it again. Why not? For all that I did not love the first three, this one really does give you payoff for investing it, the time in payoff. reading them. Exactly. So, exactly. I know that I sounded like a maniac when I was like, no, if you read these books, then it really pays off with Colin's story. But it really does. It does. And it... But this is where I'm saying this is I think would suck as a standalone it sucks as an exaggeration, but it really does build off of yeah. the first three in a way that like was great and yeah. I'm glad I read the first three yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah so if you do read it in order you you see how good of a writer Quinn is by weaving in these clues and these other scenes and developing the other characters. And you see scenes you've already seen from different perspectives. Yeah. Like yeah. Several of them. Yes. Yeah, it was good. Mm-hmm. It's just really good. Um, the setup for this book is just I, I just really like it. So we all know Penelope's been in love with Colin for years. So something has to change for Colin to see her differently. And I'm not saying that this book 
shows it this is not a Greece ending where you know the, the ending of Greece is she's like I'm just gonna change everything about yeah. myself so that you will be in love with me that's not what this is instead what it is is Penelope growing up and becoming more confident in her own person and that is what Colin finds sexy yeah she doesn't change herself to be with him she's basically she does start dressing better but that's not for him it's he's not even in her. town right yeah so she's dressing differently I think she's a little bit more confident she feels comfortable with him now where I don't think she did before definitely didn't and he gets to know her actually gets to know her so it's yes. not that she has changed herself but that he sees her differently. Right. And she has made changes mm -hmm. that enable him to do so, but they were made for herself. Yeah. Not with the end goal of ending up with him. Yeah. Um, and then I was just trying to figure out why I love this book so much. And I think here is, it's really the best of what we've got for the Bridgerton men. Because I talked about this already. What what conflict can these poor men have? Mm -hmm. They're rich, charming, good-looking, society loves them. They, they don't have any angst. Like they come from a loving, large family with yep. the best mother ever. Um, they've got plenty of money. Apparently their father was so rich he could leave his four sons with properties <laughs> somewhere in Britain, you know? Which, look, this is a fantasy, I'm not gonna complain. But, that does mean that it can be problematic to find conflicts for these for these men. And the conflict ends up being, oh, how can I differentiate myself from my other equally handsome, rich, successful brothers? Especially for Benedict and Colin. Especially for Benedict and Colin. Um, but that and that is the conflict for Colin in this book. So she is the same conflict as for Benedict. But what is really great here is that Penelope calls him out on it. Yes. He basically, he's 33, he's having his little midlife crisis. I don't even know if it's a midlife crisis, but it's definitely like a, what am I doing with my life? I, I don't have a purpose, what should I do? And he expresses himself to Penelope. So these are, you know, sort of his deepest fears and deepest feelings. And he confides in her. And her response is not, oh my gosh, how terrible, that sounds awful. Her response is, do you know what it's like to be a 28-year-old woman in society? I think you need to shut up and think about other people for once. And I just was like, yes, Penelope. Like, th like exactly. Like, think about what you're saying. And of course- Who you're saying it to. Who you're saying it to. Um, he, so basically what it is, is she calls him on his privilege mm -hmm. and it's, it's great. Well, and I also really liked that they could have that fight and it wasn't like relationship ending or screaming at one another mm -hmm. or like, I just, I'm trying to picture Benedict having the same conversation oh. and how quickly he would lose his temper. Oh, uh -huh. And for all that Colin's temper is brought up several times in this book, like the, it's never fake insurmountable conflict because they like misunderstood each other. Yeah. Well, and that's, what's so great too, is that they talk to each other and they make each other understand how the other one is feeling. Yes. So, and I, I shouldn't say she's not like, check yourself, buddy, you're being really stupid. Instead, she's more like, well, how do you think I feel day to day? Right. You know, so it's more of a, and again, I, I don't want to say that, oh, when you're, when you're pointing out someone else's privilege, you have to be like nice about it. But what's nice is that they have this civil conversation. Right. And he does realize. And I'm more saying compared to earlier books in the same series. Yeah. Conflict is handled so much better. Yes. And 
look, I'm not saying that this book is anything like a book that problematizes the nobility, wealth, oh, no. inherited wealth. No, I'm not saying that because it does not. This, oh, this is, is still a like, major fantasy. And look, yes, I still recognize Penelope, while she may not be like upper rank, she still has so much more money and privilege than a housemaid or... She's not Sophie. Yeah, she's not Sophie here. Uh, but still, she at least has him put his life in perspective and, and say, oh, actually, maybe I have been being kind of an ass. Right? I know. And this is a man who can admit it. Yes. Because I do not see Anthony or Benedict admitting that they were at fault. Ever. Correct. Correct. You know? Um, did anything offend you about this, the most precious book in your life? No. I'm never offended by this book. This book is amazing. Sorry. Okay. So I've got two, like, super minor <laughs> gotta, things. Gotta rely on Lane here. She does do a little bit of the you don't know you're beautiful. Like, she's been an sure. overlooked wallflower. She's... No, she looks better, but she definitely doesn't think she's stunning. I mean, sure. And I get that she's not supposed to be the original. Like, she is not supposed to be the belle of the ball. But I could have done with her being a little bit more self-confident. Yeah. I'm not um, offended. Like, not offensive to me. Sorry. And then I also did put here, formally, I think this would be tough as a, like to read yeah. that first. I mean, that's definitely possible. I don't... That's not offensive. It's just yeah. like a thing to know. I actually don't think I had read the first three, which is why for me I was like, yeah, I read this book. And then it got better when I read the other ones. I was mm -hmm. like, oh yeah. But I, I can read this book like any time of year. I mean, I will never reread the first three. No. And now I can reread this one yeah. on its own going forward. But yeah. I do think there's a lot... The Bridgerton family is big. It is and big. their internal relations are very much That's established true. in the first three, not in this, this one. This is true. So let's talk about sexiness because this, again, this is a Julia Quinn book. So it's not, there's not a lot of sex scenes in this book. Right. But how do you, how do you rate what we got? I loved their first kiss. Oh my God, Lane. Like, do you know how many books we've read where a 28 year old spinster has her first kiss and it's like super infantilizing and mm -hmm. condescending toward her? Even if he's not, the book feels like it is. Uh-huh. She asks him to kiss her. Yep. I loved this part of the book so much. I love. I loved it because this was, this was sort of, this was an example of her gaining self confidence. Yes. Because at first she doesn't ask him, mm -hmm. and he's like, "What?" And she's like, "Oh, never mind." And she goes to leave, and then she's like, "Actually, you know what? I am gonna ask you." <laughs> and he's like. At first, he's like, uh, what? And then he's like, okay, I will kiss you. <laughs> and then it is excellent. It's a real good kiss. Also, one of the things I love about this scene is that he, it's from Colin's perspective. It's not from Penelope's perspective. And what I love about it is that he has been fantasizing about kissing her throughout their conversation. And so it's like his fantasy come to life and he's like, wait, holy shit, what just happened here? Do I, uh, do I get to do this? Right. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's really, really good. It's really funny. It's really fun. It's, it's hot. I would also, I'm going to say something. I'm going to surprise everyone. There is an aborted carriage hookup that I didn't hate. Oh my God. It's really good. You guys, it's really good. Usually if you start something at carriage, you got to finish, finish it. <laughs> But it was so cute and funny. It's so, so funny. So, <laughs> so it starts the way we all want our carriage hookups to start, which is take the long way home. 
<laughs> Thank you. If I ever, if, if anyone ever says that when I get into a carriage with them, I will know I mean, what honestly, to expect. And the second I see that phrase in a romance novel, I'm like, let me just top off my wine. Great. <laughs> right? I'm going to be here for a while. Um, so, yes, he's like, take the long way home. So, okay. And then the way it, it oh, my God, I just love it. It's so there, good. There, I'm, I don't know if this is player or not, but I'm still going to do it. So this is how it ends. He's like, oh, Penelope, oh, Penelope, oh, oh, God. She said, what is it? We're at your home. Oh, God. <laughs> so basically, they also are not happy that this is an important right, carriage hookup. They're pissed. <laughs> and I think if you're going to end a carriage hookup, the characters need to feel about it the way I feel about yeah. it, which is Liberty Gibbet. Yeah. Um, That's good. It's so good. There's only one sex scene. Yeah. And it does start with an argument. It does. And I'm not really sure why she stops fighting. Yeah. Because he's just so hot. She's like, I'm in a bedroom with you. We're fighting. We could be doing something totally different right now. Like, honestly, that's how I read this scene. Yeah. I get it. I just, if you're only going to give me one, okay, I look, wish. Do you want an argument after sex? Or do you want the argument to be resolved with some sex? Because I know which one I prefer. Yeah, okay, fine. But I'm just saying, you have given me two options. And yes, I, p I picked the option presented here. Yeah. But I know there is a third option, which is the argument had nothing to do with sex. This and is I would have picked that one. Well, the argument has nothing to do with sex. No, but I mean, it like, has nothing to do with the sex scene. True. I would have liked true, true, that true. to be entirely yes. distinct sequences. Um, I will say that I, one of the things I really liked is that the, the three magic words, which, as we all know, in a romance novel, the three magic words, yes, the Holy Trinity, I love you, <laughs> uh, they're uttered in this, in this scene. And no, it's not some big angst. No, I love you angst. And it's uh, like, like we said, he wants to know what love means. You're right. He's like, is what I'm feeling for this person love? Because I feel for her what I've never felt for someone else. But I don't know. Is it love? But like, he's not pissed about it or no. avoiding her because of it. Absolutely or like treating not. her badly or no. And the fact that I love you gets brought up in this first sex scene in a way that is angst free is oh, slow claps. It's great. It's, it's really, really, really good. It's just really good. Okay, look, I... We both have the criticism, which is that after that sex scene, there is no more sex. And that happens like two thirds of the way through the book. Mm -hmm. So the entire last third of the book, including the wedding night, yeah, has no sex scenes. This is true. So and I'm, you gave me a wedding night with no sex. I yeah, I know. I, well, that actually, I don't even know if it's like a wedding night because it's very. I think it might even skip a couple of weeks and then they've been married for a few weeks. Right, like, but they like, might not even get they a wedding. They had a wedding They had night, a wedding night. And we yeah. did not see it. Those, but and the wedding night might take take place completely off the page, I think. Yeah, no, there's nothing. Yeah. It's not even like a fade to black. No. Like there's a, we have now been married. Yeah. How dare yeah. Julia Quinn. You give me two, every single other book had more sex than this. It's true. And that, I think, is what upsets me. Is it's like clearly Julia Quinn's not averse. Yeah to throw in a little bit of kink in there. Yeah. And she doesn't do it. For it, Colin. For Colin. Ah, oh, you're right. I mean, yes. It's, it's a flaw. I, there is no argument for me here. It's a flaw. You will, you will hear no argument come from my mouth. But otherwise, this is a really great book. Oh. I just, I could have done with like one more sex scene. That's, you know minimum. what? Like I said, no, yeah. zero arguments coming from here. So I, I, w I would like to end with just one comment on the conflict. So what I think is the true conflict of this mm -hmm. book, which has nothing to do with Cressida Twombie, and it's the fact that he resents her. Yes. And 
the way it's resolved. So first of all, that it doesn't get fixed. There's no magical fix when they get married. Yes. So in, again, many of these books. So that's something I do like. So they get married, let's say two thirds through the book. So the last third of the book is them resolving this conflict, but they're already married. They've already said they're in love. So the fact that they love each other is not the conflict. The fact is, um, the fact, so what, what I think the conflict is, is she gets everything she thinks she wants, but she needs a little more. Yeah. And she goes to Colin and she was like, Colin, what is going on? Because we need to figure this out. And he's like, yeah, you're right. This is the reason. And she's there's, like, okay, good. Because I was like, okay, is this what my, marriage, like, is this no what, is this what my married life is going to be like? Because it's kind of going to suck, which I thought no it was going to be awesome. conflict over whether or not they end up together, which yeah. is always our favorite thing. Uh, um, I just... You know how they released Bridgerton's second epilogue? Mm-hmm. I would rather she re-released Bridgerton's but with more sex. <laughs> the second epilogue is just more sex? No, but like, you just put into the book. That's fair. Like, just stick me, give me a chapter with the wedding night. Just another sex scene. Just like, in this one, I would literally just write the wedding. Just the Bridgerton's, the wedding night? Yeah. Except for Anthony's, because we got that already, and it was... That was not great. Well, that's because they, they were yeah, talking yeah. a lot. Anyway, while they whatever. But her. all the others, um, yes, I agree. Let's just do wedding nights for all of them. I think all the rest, that's what we can do. Yeah. Mm, except for Eloise. But yeah, all the rest of them. Okay. The wedding night or the honeymoon or something like that. Or the honeymoon, honeymoon, the honeymoon. Or the Bridgertons, the honeymoon. I have a better idea. The Bridgertons, carriages. <laughs> the Bridgertons, the Bridgerton family reunion and they all have to get there in a carriage. And they all have sex inside carriages on the way. Fair. On the way home. I'm not going to be picky about that. Either one. Either one is fine with me. So, um, on the whole, highly recommend this book. This, obviously, I'm not going to say you shouldn't read this book because you should. It, it is truly, I think, one of the top romance novel books ever published. Like, I will, I honestly will put myself out there and say that. I don't know how Julia Quinn manifested this, her fourth attempt through with yeah. this family, but, like, congrats to you. It's so good. It's so good. And it sets up the next, the next three, boom, 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 they're all good. I thought the next two were good. Sorry. These three, so this one, and then the next two. Okay. Boom, boom, boom. (laughs) Boom, boom, boom. There are three booms. (laughs) As always, thank you guys so much for listening. We really enjoy doing the podcast, so if you could rate, review, and subscribe, that would be great. Happy Christmas.